Hi, and welcome to the Flare Confidence Podcast. Today we have Dr. Susan McElroy. She is internationally known for her research in bipolar disorder, eating disorders, obesity, impulse control disorders, and pharmacology. Dr. McElroy is the Chief Research Officer at the Lindner Center of Hope, as well as a Professor of Psychiatry and Neuroscience at the University of Cincinnati's College of Medicine. She is the author of over 300 scientific papers in leading medical journals and was the eighth most cited scientist in the world published in the fields of psychiatry and psychology. It is a pure pleasure to have Susan with us today. I'm going to ask her to speak on mental illness and the relationship she's discovered with obesity. Susan, could you tell our listeners what is mental illness? Mental illness is a broad term that encompasses a whole variety of really brain illnesses. Um, Things where people have psychological symptoms rather than maybe um, pain or an abnormal glucose level, but the symptoms are largely psychological and um, these illnesses we think are definitely brain-based disorders and they interfere with uh, an individual's functioning or they cause distress or pain and they can range from things from uh, depression attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, alcoholism, heroin abuse. So there's just obsessive compulsive disorder. There's a whole host of these conditions. And basically they are characterized by psychological symptoms and distress and impairment in function. And so when do they start presenting themselves? Is it typically found in a child, in a teenager, an adult, or at any point? Does something trigger it? Um, actually, different mental disorders or different, or different mental illnesses tend to begin at different times. Okay. So there are some that tend to begin in childhood. For instance, um, attention deficit disorder or autism would present in, as a child. In, in childhood. Then there are some that present in um, what I call youth to young adults. The age range of like 15 to 25 and a lot of mental disorders present then. That would include uh, mood disorders, that's depression and bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, but then there are some disorders that are going to begin later in life, okay. like um, dementia, for example. Sure. It's not, doesn't, you know, you, we have early onset and late onset forms, but an early onset form would be 45 to 50 years, okay. and whereas typical dementia is like in the 70s to 85 age range. So they speak. Mental disorders span the entire age range. And it sounds like they can go after anybody, male, female, so gender, race, nationality, or are there particular people that have a higher risk for it? Well, we have pretty good epidemiologic data that shows one out of four people will have a mental illness during their lifetime. Wow. That seems very high. (laughs) 
Yeah, unfortunately, that is extremely common. Okay. So, and we just know that these disorders, even though they may, even though certain disorders may begin at a, tend to begin at a certain time, in fact, any disorder can begin at any time in anybody, pretty much. I mean, you're, it's unlikely to see a 75-year-old who develops attention deficit disorder or a 10-year-old who develops dementia, but for, the, for common disorders like depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, eating disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorder, they really can begin at any time during the life. Talk to us about awareness. How has that changed since you started practicing? Well, the good news is, um, I think um, the public, as well as the medical profession, is clearly far more aware of mental illness, how to diagnose it, how to treat it, um, than they were, let's say, 10, 20 years ago. I agree, because as a child, I don't remember these words even being said. I feel like it's much more aware now. Maybe I'm an adult, so I'm more reading about it. But I'm, So is the first place to go to the primary doctor if, you, if you're worried if, about if you something? Have, if you are... Um, well, the, night, the good news is there is lots of good information out there that you can use to educate yourself about mental illness. Um, so that there are, there are websites... like. If, like sponsored by the National Institutes of Mental Health, where you can get basic information about certain mental disorders. Okay. But if you are concerned that you have some sort of mental disorder, probably the best place to start is your primary care practitioner. They have training in terms of recognizing and diagnosing mental illness, and that training has actually increased over the past few years. That's terrific. And the interesting thing is, is that mental illness is so common, there aren't enough psychiatrists or psychologists to treat to go around, mm -hmm. so that most people with mental illness are in fact treated by their primary care provider. Are colleges taking a look at that and trying to? Are, is it people? There aren't enough people interested, or just not enough that, resources to get people prepared and educated into the career track. For the well, that's an excellent question. There, um, I do think there's probably a shortage of mental health care providers. If you think about it, you know, one out of four people will have a mental health issue, yet there are still really big barriers to access for care. And that's because we just, we just don't have enough psychiatrists, um, don't have enough psychologists, and um, we still need in enhanced training for the medical field in general. Okay. So the question is, why is that the case? I don't think we know for certain, but we have certain theories. Uh, one is stigma. Okay. Um, there is still a lot of stigma associated with mental illness, and that stigma attaches itself also to the people who treat people with mental illness. Oh. <laughs> so when I wanted to go into psychiatry, when I was in medical school, I was told by a number of supervisors not to waste my medical degree. Oh, isn't that so sad? I'm so, glad you bucked the system. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, I think the other thing is, is that um, reimbursement for psychiatric treatment mm. 
is um, markedly lower than reimbursement for treatment of any other medical disorder. And this is, comes from the 1960s and Medicare rules. But the problem is, it's actually hard to make a living as a mental health provider. And yet, it's, if you catch it earlier, it's probably better to treat it than to avoid it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, those data are pretty solid now okay. that we, with, with virtually almost any mental illness, the earlier you catch it and begin treatment, the better the prognosis. And probably the better lives for the whole family, the person, the family, the community right. with so that treatment. And then, and then if, you, if you get it treated early, hopefully the person will have more normal personality development, yes. family functioning will be smoother, they'll be more successful in terms of finding a career. So we do know that, that okay. the, the earlier we catch it and the earlier we treat it, the better people do. So it sounds like we need to lobby about reimbursement. As well as encouraging more people in the we field. Do. I mean, we really, really do. Okay. Talk to us about your findings regarding mental illness and obesity. Oh, that okay. sounds really well, exciting that yeah. you're finding a link. Yeah. Um, well, be, mental illness is a huge public health problem, but so is obesity. And the rates have really massively increased over the past, what, four decades, such that a third of the population is obese. Is that only America or the whole world? Well, that's America, but it's happening everywhere. Okay. It's happening. It's a global phenomenon. So it's, it's stronger in developed countries, but it's even happening in underdeveloped countries where hunger is an issue. Interesting. So, um, and so one thing I just noticed in treating so many people with mental disorders, whether it was depression, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, I was struck by the high rate of obesity. So started to do some research, and lo and behold, um, it was, well, although it was initially thought that there was no relationship at all between obesity and mental illness. Well, now we know there's actually a very strong relationship. So certain mental illnesses are, in, are particularly um, often associated with obesity. And, and those include um, depression, certain eating disorders, schizophrenia even. Okay. Um, and you know, so and the thing is is if somebody has a mental illness and obesity, they have two really severe issues, mm -hmm. both of which are associated with stigma. Yes. But both of which you really need to address in order to get the person feeling as best as they can feel and they're functioning uh, back to normal. And that's the other thing I noticed when I was treating obese people with mental illness. I couldn't just pay attention and treat the mental illness. I really need to also address the obesity. So then in your treatment, how is are there treatments that help do those hand in hand? Or do some of the medications for one make you even want to eat more for the obesity? Like, do they goes, counter absolutely, affect each other? Absolutely, it goes both ways. So, okay. um, Unfortunately, we do have a lot of good treatments for bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and, and depression, but many of those treatments do cause substantial weight loss, and the weight loss can be so extreme that people can actually go from being normal weight to obese. So weight gain. Yes, weight, weight gain. gain. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Which, that makes sense. I would think that the chemicals then impact your yeah. levels. So, um, what... 
what our group has done with other people is we've tried to uh, look for treatments for what we call medication-induced weight gain. So medications that will block weight gain associated okay. with um, a, a psychiatric medication that a person really needs for their brain to operate properly. And so there's now some findings that if, if a person has to go on a certain medication that causes weight gain. And unfortunately, our most effective treatment for both schizophrenia and bipolar disorder is a drug that causes a lot of weight gain. But it can work when nothing else works. But now we have strategies to help manage the, the weight gain. gain associated with that compound. Okay. And when someone is going through the depression, the schizophrenia, the bipolar, how long are they in your care? Or They're is it per lifetime? Okay. That's actually a really important point. Um, mental illnesses are almost always lifetime illnesses. Um, so it's figuring out how to live so with it, how, how to have the most functioning life you can. Exactly. Okay. And it's a, yeah. almost always um, a prescription, a medication that's going to help well, you? Not, not necessarily. Um, we do have some very good psychotherapies now. Um, they're what we call empirically based psychotherapies, things like cognitive behavior therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, which are very different from Freudian analytic psychotherapy. Um, so they, they give people strategies and tools to help manage their symptoms, and they've been shown in controlled trials to be highly efficacious. Okay. So if somebody has perhaps an eating disorder, or a milder form of depression, or if they have obsessive compulsive disorder, we have psychotherapies that are highly efficacious, and there are some people who will not need medication okay. if they pursue the psychotherapy. Now, having said that, there are some people who will need medication as well as psychotherapy. But but if we can treat somebody with psychotherapy alone, that's awesome. We Def that's what we would. That's the goal. Definitely. Well, that's great. It just sounds like treatment. Again, you need to go to your primary doctor to at least start the process because everyone's going to be different. So it's not a everyone who has this You're absolutely illness right. is going to have the same treatment. It's yeah, going to so be very we have, personalized. We have certain illnesses, but but you know, ten people with depression can look different and require very different treatments. So it's it's important to start with your primary care practitioner, and then. If you guys decide it, maybe get a consultation with a mental health specialist, whether that should be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Okay. Anything, um, just as, pre not even preventative, that doesn't sound right. Is there anything as a community we can be doing to educate ourselves to be more um, embracing of people who do? I mean, if a quarter of our population has illness, how can we either get them into the workforce better? How can we... Um, react to them if they're at the same birthday party we're at or if they're in the airport with us like is there are there things tools that we should just know yeah. well, to, a lot of, to be most, compassionate most people, <laughs> most people with mental illness you won't know have it I mean yes there are people who have severe mental illness where it's obvious but most people with mental illness are very good at hiding it because um, they've been medicated or they just know the, well, the, because they've been treated and or maybe they're just really good at keeping things secret okay so I think the important thing is to just get yourself educated. Okay. This affects 
everybody. Well, so even if it doesn't affect you individually, it's usually, it's so common it may have affected a family member. So I think the most important thing is to get educated about it, to understand that it's actually highly treatable mm. as long as it's recognized. Well, and that's what I would love so we could break the stigma a little bit too so that we can help even more people. Mm -hmm. Susan, thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for being this amazing woman leader. I know you didn't want to talk about yourself much, <laughs> but your research is amazing and I'm just thrilled that you're in our community. So thank you so okay. much. Thank you. If you want to hear what other amazing leaders have told Flair about confidence, transformational leadership, using corporate skills and mission fields and philanthropy, and paying attention to surprises, Visit us at www.flareconfidence.com slash media or search for us on iTunes under Flare Confidence.